it was a, we could say, a risky decision to, to move our headquarters to the U.S. and changing models because we had to disconnect from one geographic and region and connect to another. That's not something that happens from one day to the other. So you have to be aware that you're going to cross the desert for a few months. Luckily, we, we had some cash from our own operations that allowed us to transit that desert. And right now we're in the middle of, let's say, getting traction in the U.S. through industry leaders. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. I am here today with Jordy Negri. Jordy, welcome. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself uh, and what you're up to with the Dantex Group? Yes, sure. Thanks. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I founded Dantex Group 22 years ago uh, in Europe, in Barcelona, Spain. And recently, um, approximately one year ago, I decided to move our headquarters from Europe into the U.S., and that's a challenging process in which it's uh, taking all my time, effort, dedication, and some sleepless nights. So that was a that's a bold decision. What uh, what inspired that uh, uh, that move? Um, Europe seems like a very consolidated marketplace, but it in fact it's very fragmented. Different languages, different. Um, regions different even even currencies because with the brexit you have uh, the pound and then you have the euro uh so the uh, path to growth it's pretty difficult it seems like a homogeneous market but it's not that homogeneous and uh, with our limited resources and dedication uh, we decided that um, the u.s market was much bigger and the culture of adoption of our products services uh, the platform that we have it's much more understood and the venture capital ecosystem makes it also like a, like the best place to to grow, um, to scale, and eventually make a, a, an exit plan. Gotcha. So a part of that uh, decision to move was uh, the decision to raise as well, right? So tell me a little bit more about that. What are you thinking there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that we do have to be successful with organic growth. Um, but if you want to put your company in a different level, at some point you're going to need external funding. Uh, and the, uh, although we're not in the best years uh, of, of, of fundraising and, and I've been reviewing and reading some articles recently that, that do not create a super cool expectation for 2024, <laughs> um, this might change in the future and, and we will you know, be in a different situation. And once we need, uh, let's say, big money to make a like a potential growth and 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 and, and, and aggressive expansion, um, the uh, well, the other the other day I read an article in which the same SaaS companies, the valuation in the U.S. was thirty percent more than in Europe. The same company, the mm -hmm. same kind of company, the same metrics, KPIs. The valuation in the U.S. was thirty percent more. So if you are the owner of a SaaS company, um, by raising money or selling the money in the U.S. or sorry, sorry, selling your company in the U.S., you would get thirty percent more of your own valuation. Right. So all those, all those, let's say trends, um, it's reinforcing that the decision that we took made uh, a lot of sense. Gotcha. So. You're in um, 
uh, you're in a fragmented market now. You're moving to more consolidated and a higher valuation just by virtue of, uh, you know, jumping across the pond here. When you talk about uh, what really makes the business and what you're trying to do hard to market, um, we, we spoke previous to this and, and you have done, you've made a couple very interesting decisions along the way. Kind of all of these things are coming around at once, but you've also moved from a project-based model to much more of a SaaS model as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you can help our listeners a little bit, give us the 50,000 feet on the product and who, who its target market is, uh, that'll help us then kind of dig into a little bit more of the weeds there. Sure. Yeah. And the change of the um, financial um, model makes uh, sense uh, with the change of the technology, uh, technological approach that we did or improvement that we did. So five years ago, we were basically providing a front end solution. That means that companies like, for example, Siemens uh, would purchase a project from us and they would host it in their own premises, okay? Uh, and they would have the whole solution for them, one shot. They would buy the project and they would host it and they would run it. Uh, a few years later, we developed a backend. A backend, it's a very powerful tool that allows that the front end has much more return based on different use cases and different uh, continuous updates of contents. And, and that's when the SaaS model comes into, 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 into the game because the combination of the front end and the back end system that we already have, uh, it takes us much more adequately to the, um, SaaS environment. And also, um, following the discussion that we had before, in terms of valuation and in terms of exit plans, SaaS companies are much more attractive uh, to investors or potential buyers than just uh, project-based companies. Gotcha. You don't have to. You don't have to prove your pipeline as much because you, you're working on residuals. Yeah, uh, something that it's not at that. I mean, it better better said easier said said than done. Because uh, yes, I mean, <laughs> the theoretical uh, the theory says that once you have a customer, you would get the typical ARR concept. But of course, to to get the first uh, clients on board, it's it's not always easy. Um, in comparison to have like smaller projects would be an easier task, but less valuation and less potential growth. So what is your strategy for customer acquisition at this point for the new customers? I mean, you're, you're, you've, you've switched your business model. You've switched, you're switching your, your headquarters location. Uh, you're looking for that, uh, that deeper valuation. You've upgraded your tech platform. It seems like, uh, you've now essentially shuffled all of the pieces together. How has that impacted your growth strategy and how are you expecting to get first, uh, first round of clients or your, eighth round of clients, whatever the case may be. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it was, a we could say a risky decision to, to move our headquarters to the U S because, and changing models, because we had to disconnect from one geographic and region and connect one other. That's not, uh, something that happens from, from one day to the other. So you have to be aware that you're going to cross the desert for a few months. Okay. Mm. Uh, luckily, we, we had some um, cash from our own operations that allowed us to to, to transit to transit that 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 desert. And right now, we're in the middle of the um, let's say getting traction in the U.S. through industry leaders. So our philosophy at short term 
is to sell directly to end clients with people that have warm contacts in their own network uh, so that we can have like a pretty much an easy access or fast access to key decision makers. Uh, the second round in a few months will be indirect sales, which, which will be uh, channel partners, uh, which at long term, it's what it's going to bring us the typical hockey stick of the SaaS indirect approach. Yeah. So your channel partner strategy uh, and, and kind of where you're at now, right? Right now, you're just doing personal contacts and leveraging those then you're migrating into the channel partner strategy. How do you how do you expect to start that? What does that look like? Um, how are you going to identify those channel partners? What are you doing to start to build those relationships? Because I imagine that's going to be starting pretty quick here. Yeah, it's, it's a very challenging um, goal that we have. Not easy because when we are talking about channel partners, being a MarTech company, we can either have channel partners that are more aligned with the advertising side of the business and at the other end with the technology side. Mm. So in between, there are a lot of gray areas. So uh, the umbrella of channel partners can be divided in like seven different segments of channel partners, uh, depending on if they are more technologically savvy or, or more marketing oriented. So again, this is not our, let's say, short-term focus right now, because that yeah. requires, like, I would call it, call it like a, two-phase sales scenario because you have to find the channel partners and then you have to evangelize, educate them, and then they have to sell to the end client. So it's it's a very scalable model, but it's a little bit slower than the direct one. So right now, in order to get traction as fast as possible, direct, it's critical. So when you're when you're what is your uh, what are the sort of moving tactical pieces for that direct strategy that you're taking now? I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of the process of attracting talent that they have like an, an entrepreneurship spirit that they want to join a company that has a, a proven track record. Uh, it's not a startup, but in terms of the geographical aspect, it is a startup. So uh, it's not an easy task to attract that talent because uh, nowadays everybody, everybody wants both aspects of, of the work, of the job description, right? the entrepreneurship attractiveness but at the same time security and that does not work so so you, you either have to choose the risk-oriented uh, venture or the secure one and we are right now um like i said a geographical startup so i'm working hard to find um entrepreneurs that want to join my venture in the us gotcha um, and we have to roll our sleeves and 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 start uh, getting traction uh, in the U.S. soil uh, in the U.S. market. Um, and eventually, on a second round, we will be able to let's call it professionalize with let's say more standardized um, sales professionals and 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 other kinds of roles in the organization. But but at the beginning, it's like getting attracted getting attra attracting people to the to the pro to the project that have the same mindset that I might have which is like starting a new business in the US. Yeah, yeah. So the phase 1 here, this process you're going through now to to do direct selling is basically you're trying to find folks that are going to go out there and beat the bushes. Um and mm -hmm. and 
you know, make those relationships happen and start the direct selling process. Um, the, you don't have a ton of, um, uh, have you done a lot of market testing, I guess, when it comes to it, because it sounds like you've got the background from the old business, but this new model, again, you've got so many, so many news, uh, new things, new location, new, new business model. How are you going to educate those, uh, those folks you're bringing on to go about that train, that sales process? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point because the go to market is very different. Um, so we didn't not only change the pricing module and the geographical aspect, but the cultural and, and the go-to-market uh, concepts are radically different. Well, not radically, but uh, but very different from, from one region to, to the other. So in fact, it's not that I have to educate them. It's that they have to identify as industry leaders, which is the best go-to-market for their specific segments. Gotcha. So again, I'm not I'm not looking for traditional employees to do whatever I tell them to do. I'm looking for people to suggest what is the best approach for the government um, sector or for the manufacturing one or for the fintech, which all of them have different go-to markets. So again, I'm not trying to recruit people, people to execute, but I'm trying to attract talent, senior people, to define with me which is the best go-to-market strategy based on their knowledge and based on the fact that they are Americans and I'm, and I'm not. Right. So they know they, they have to know more than me in some aspects regarding the U.S. operations. Yeah. That starting from zero approach, though, is really refreshing, right? I think it's going to be interesting to figure out how you're going to collect that uh, that data as you go and dial that into you know, subsequent iterations of the strategy, right? You can't just, um, uh, you can't bring somebody in to, to come up with a good strategy and then not do the testing side of that as well, right? And so how are you going to collect that data and what are you going to do with it? And how's it going to inform the business moving forward? I think it becomes an interesting conversation. Yes, it, it's been already a few months that we've been testing the market. And at the end, although our platform is agnostic and it can address all the vertical segments out there. I do think that once we have traction in some verticals, we will have to focus on those. Yeah. You know, in order to get referrals and then be experts in those segments. So we don't, I mean, in every, let's say, in a geographical segment, you could find like 17 different verticals. We don't right. need to be on, in, in all those 17, although the technology would allow us to do that. Yeah, yeah. So in order to get traction and grow rapidly, uh, the best way to do it is once you get traction in one segment, focus, and then reinforce, recruit more people to exploit that business line. Right. Niche down and then expand it from there. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I think um, what I want to, what I really want to do now is uh, I want to set the hook for us to get back on a call um, in a future episode and hear how it's going because the, the things you learn along the way here are going to be absolutely critical to the folks that are also in, you know, situations where they're making these changes. Um, so I guess that leads me to uh, sort of the, uh, one of my questions here, which is um, for the folks that are interested in learning more about what you've got going on, how should they reach out to you? What does that look like? Um, who should reach out to you at this point? Cause it seems like you're still in a lot of formative phases. Um, 
you, you know, what, what kind of conversations are you looking to have? Um, depends on the folks and their roles. But <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would say that, I would say that the main touch point would be our website, which is dantexgroup.com. Uh-huh. And, uh, we have listed the, the main key executives that we have on our management team. And everyone has a role assigned, of course. And then and there are people that are responsible of the fundraise. And there are other individuals that are responsible for sales, both direct and indirect. And there are other people that are responsible for operations. And that's the main, let's say, three legs that we could uh, describe, right? That would, which, which would be sales, fundraise, uh, and platform delivery. Gotcha. So, uh, website is sort of mission one. Now, uh, again, you're probably the learning is coming fast and furious at this point as you, you know, reposition and poise, uh, uh, approach the market a little bit differently. Um, so when I ask you, like, what are the three biggest things that you've learned in your journey so far? Um, the natural inclination is probably going to be like, well, I, I learned this in the last week. Uh, but the things that we're looking for are the kinds of in, bits of information that um, would help somebody that's maybe newer in the marketing space or somebody who has not yet even come close to the kind of problems that you're working to solve right now. What are the three biggest sort of takeaways from your journey uh, throughout your career so far that you can share with the listeners? Well, um in the B2B segment in which we are, we could confirm that if you have done business in Germany, you could do business in the US. I mean, the requirements of those corporations are more or less similar. Um, but then the second conclusion would be that the go-to-market, it's very different, like we discussed. Uh, and nobody teach you how to do it because the world has very different, let's say, geographical areas and, and every everyone, every geographical area uh, behaves very differently. So one is confirming that the product makes sense. It adds value. That's the main thing. Second is adapting, um, which is not exactly pivoting, but it's like pivoting geographically to, to, to adapt that pitch or that, uh, let's say, cultural evangelization about what you do to another culture. And third, it's that although all the signs confirm that we have done the right decision and we're in the right track, the conclusion is that this is going to be tougher, but bigger at the end. So so the, the curves of growth eventually will be, it will take us a little bit more time than expected. Uh, to penetrate the market, but at the same time, the potential growth and and, and figures for the uh, long run um, can be much higher than the ones that we projected at, at the beginning. Gotcha. I want to thank you for your time today, Jordi. It's been great to have you on the show, and I definitely want to circle back when you have uh, some additional learnings here, and I want to be able to sh- be able to share them with our listeners. Thanks, to, thanks to you, Brian. I hope that this next call is not in two years, but in a in a few months, so that we have relevant news to, to share. That'd be awesome. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024, and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. 
we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.